Welcome to the Shifting Our Schools podcast, where we believe learning never stops. We create innovative and flexible professional development opportunities that support the current research and thinking in education today. This week's podcast episode aspires to set you up to take another step forward on your personal learning journey. Now here's your host, Jeff Udick. Welcome back to another episode of Shifting Our Schools. I'm your host, Jeff Udick. Thank you for finding some time to listen and ponder the future of education this week. This week, our focus is on wellness and well-being for both ourselves as educators and the students in our care. I feel wellness and well-being is at the center of teaching right now, not just for our students, but maybe even more so for ourselves and our colleagues. A recent NEA survey released February 1st showed that a staggering 55% of educators are thinking about leaving the profession earlier than they had planned. That is on top of, according to the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics, already a loss of 600,000 educators. There were approximately 10.6 million educators working in public education in January of 2020. Today, there are just 10 million. And of those 10 million, 90%, according to the survey, are burnt out. So the question I keep asking myself is what can we do to support each other? I know teachers should be paid more. I know class size should be smaller. I know all that. But I, nor I'm going to guess, the majority of you listening can do anything about those issues right now. So I want to stay focused on what I can do as an educator. What can you personally do as an educator to take care of yourself, your students, and your colleagues? It's why we created the free resource Self-Compassion Shifts Schools and Care on Call, which you can download and use from our resource library at shiftingschools.com under the resource tab. That brings me to today's guest. Dr. Sadie Hollins, who, in the midst of this pandemic, found a way to start a magazine dedicated to the topic of well-being for ourselves and our students. I caught up with Dr. Sadie to talk about her magazine and her podcast in hopes to bring this resource to you as a place to go to get ideas, a place to realize you are not alone, and a place for us to share with each other our experiences, ideas, and feelings. I hope you enjoyed this chat with Dr. Sadie Hollins on the topic of well-being. And with that, on with the show. All right, welcome back to another episode of Shifting Our Schools. So excited to have another international virgin here with us. Uh, It's always great when we get to hear from educators around the world. Uh, With myself and my wife spending 10 years internationally, we're still very closely aligned with a lot of international educators. And it's great to bring voices in uh, from everywhere and get different perspectives. So I'm excited that today we have Dr. Sadie here with us. Uh, We're going to be talking about well-being and wellness in schools, and she's doing some amazing work. And so just excited to have you on the podcast, Dr. Sadie. So to get us started, talk about your journey in education, and uh, we'll get into well-being and wellness in schools. Yeah, sure. Uh, Jeff, thanks so much for for having me. It's really cool to get the chance to to chat with you today. Um, Yeah, so my name's uh, Sadie. I am... I'm editor for the Wellbeing and International School magazine, which we'll, we'll get onto a little bit um, later. Um, but currently, I'm, I'm working in Chiang Mai in the north of Thailand. Um, I work as a head of sick form here, so I'm mainly involved in kind of college counselling. Um, this is my fourth year here, and actually, 
um, prior to kind of working in Thailand and working in international schools, I've, I've kind of done a few different things. Um, my kind of original background was in higher education. So I worked as a lecturer in the University of the UK um, and then moved out here and I've done a few things since. And, and one of the kind of informative things I, I did before coming into international education um, in a kind of college counselling role uh, was I had a chance to work at a rehab here. So there was an addiction rehab and I worked on a programme that worked with um, uh, the queer community and it was a programme that was kind of tailored to, to their needs. And so that became a really informative experience that I had just by virtue of being in Thailand and opportunities uh, opening up. But now I'm in an international school and, and working as a college counsellor now. Awesome. Well, let's talk a little about your digital magazine. Uh, if, if, from my understanding, you've had four publications so far. Uh, yeah, so uh, I've had, I think we're just about to hit our seventh, but they, oh, awesome. it's, kind of, it's come in kind of two forms. It okay. was uh, Wise Education. And then now, so that was four issues, and now we're on our third one of Wellbeing in International Schools magazine. So it's okay. it's just kind of more slightly, but um, yeah, we're in our 2.0 version right now. Yeah, and how did it, how did this come to be? Because when did you start it, and how did this whole magazine idea come come to fruition for you? Yeah, um, it was a, it was a pandemic, baby. Um, okay. Uh, essentially, it kind of come from an idea that I had when we first went online. Um, in my school, I was in a support role and I wanted to find a way to offer support to students whilst we were online that didn't necessarily involve um, like counselling in a more traditional form. So I created a newsletter that had articles from teachers and students and PTO president and, and lots of different things about like kind of how people were looking after themselves at that time. Um, and it was quite well received uh, and I quite enjoyed doing it. I thought, oh, this, this is cool. Like I think, you know, the stuff that people were engaging yeah. with um so that was kind of one piece and then the other piece I'd had at around the same time was actually working in an international context in a support role I kind of felt like a little bit um left out at sea I felt like mm. there was uh not so much support it was very unique to the context that you're in both countrywide uh countrywide and the school that you're in and the setting that you're in and so I wanted to kind of translate the stuff that we'd learned from the newsletter at school into kind of sharing uh, articles, ideas, best practice, but with international educators that were kind of maybe all a little bit adrift and could learn from, from yeah. what other people were doing in, in different schools. Um, so yeah, just from there, I started it as a newsletter, just got all my friends to write. I, I you know, begged them to write for it and it just kind of evolved from there really. That's fantastic though. I love what, you know, we say all the time, don't let a good pandemic go to waste. And if you find something that people need, uh, you know, around well-being and wellness is something that I think has really been brought to uh, the forefront of education through this pandemic uh, and being able to reach out to others and begging in some cases <laughs> to help people uh, to, to submit some articles to create the magazine. And, and those of you that if you want to, you can go over to, and we'll make sure the website's in the uh, show notes, but it's uh, wiseeducationblog.com. You can download them there and, and, and other places as well, but uh, just fantastic resources. Uh, for everyone, of of all the submissions that you've had, can you point to one that you think has maybe resonated with you the most, or with your audience the most that you feel like you're getting a lot of kind of uh, feedback on? Yeah, this is uh, this is a really great question, and I, I really thought about it, and, and um, I initially thought what was quite interesting about having a magazine is um, you don't always 
uh, get the kind of reaction because people are looking at it as a whole. So, mm. you know, whereas a blog is kind of short form and you can sure. kind of interact with the blog. Sometimes I'm not, not aware of like what people are really into the magazine. Um, I guess it's like kind of like a book in some ways. It's a bit longer. People take a little bit more time to go right, through it. Yeah. So. <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure um, exactly kind of what's what's particularly resonated, but I guess some of the observations I've had, I think things that have, have kind of um, yeah resonated with people is uh, I had an article with um, Jim Wild, who's a head teacher at an international school in Kenya, um, and he was talking about male, male leadership and vulnerability, mm. um, and I thought when he sent that submission in. I thought, oh, that's feels like a, a an area that just isn't talked about enough. Um, and he was so honest in it. And in discussions with him, I was like, wow, like, you know, like super, super honest. Yeah. And uh, I think that for me was was powerful because I felt that that was something that resonated with a lot of other people, but wasn't necessarily discussed. Um, I had um, an article from Neil Thomas, who... Um, I think worked as a, a vice principal assistant principal in Doha and he was talking about his journey with teaching um, but also his journey with um, remission from cancer mm. so how that changed his relationship to education to how he felt about education and, and to actually burn out within education once he'd returned um, wow. and then talked a little bit about his kind of journey since um, and I, I've had people reach out about that article, about how that's kind of helped them to process with some of the feelings they were having mm. with um, health problems in their own lives and just kind of actually putting it out there in the open and, and, and discussing it. Um, that was that was super helpful. Um, and then I guess one other one is from Adam Beeson, who is the copy editor for, for Wisdom. And he... Um, he did a really, really cool article, which was talking about uh, multilingualism and identity and belonging. And just this this idea of like moving past the language around like English as a second language right. um, and moving towards, you know, language acquisition or reframing it. So it's not a deficit. So English isn't the, the primary language that we're moving towards. It's championing the languages that we have. And I felt that that was a really good conversation starter for schools. Like I gave it to our head of English and I felt like a few other schools had used it as like, all right, we've got a team meeting. Like maybe this is something we should, we should look at and consider. So um, yeah, they're kind of free articles that I think uh, have, have resonated with people for sure. I love it. And one of the things I, I love, and you kind of talked about this, but, you know, we are inundated with short form writing. Um, you know, even a blog post seems long these days, and yet that's still a short, you know, a shorter form of writing. But when we talk about just social media um, and the thing I love about, you know, your magazine and, and educational magazines is it gives you that sense of almost like leaning back. We talk a lot about like, does it make you lean forward? Like it's this, like this engagement of it's fast, it's video, it's audio, you know, you almost lean into it versus having an opportunity to take something like uh, the wise education magazine and like you lean back and you get to absorb it. And it's a little bit longer and they're, and they're great stories. Like, like you're talking about and people, you know, opening up about their journeys and there's just something different to that. Um, we talk a lot about wanting kids to still enjoy long literature, but I think as an adult, we have to remind, remind ourselves too, that it's good to lean back once in a while and, and take in some of these stories and, and talk and, and learn from each other, uh, in, in a more longer form than say, just, you know, your tweet hashtag that you follow. So, yeah, I, I've, 
I was um, listening to a podcast the other day with Johan Hari, and he's he's done a new book on stolen focus. Mm. And um, what I found interesting, what he was saying, what resonated with me about the magazine was this idea of like, uh, I don't know, he's stolen it from somewhere else, but like the medium is the message. Mm. And, you know, by by kind of sharing articles out longer, it's it's kind of gives that message that it requires more thought and it yeah. requires more reflection and you should kind of take your time to digest it. Like, the problem with blogs is is sometimes like you say they're fast paced and we it's snappy and we want to take things from it and and I'm all about it you know I like right. I like it I like writing yeah. them yeah of course like it's fun to write um but I think there's something in taking it long to to digest and I think that's kind of why podcasts are so interesting because yeah it's that investment and that time and a little bit longer than maybe you would give to other things for sure yeah yeah. Um, so let's talk a little bit about wellness and well-being right now. What specifically do you think is important for us as educators and for schools to be discussing right now, you know, kind of where we are in education, where we are in, you know, depending on your country coming out of, you know, the, the pandemic phase, um, it, what are, what are you kind of seeing and what do you think we should be talking about with kids? And then also at the, at the school level, what, what should our focus be? It's a really great question. And, and I, I read it and I thought, oh, do you know what? I'm, I'm not sure. There's kind of so many areas that I think yeah. you can look at. Um, I think what's really encouraging is, you know, coming through the pandemic, it's been a struggle. It's brought a lot of attention to mental health and well-being. And we're much more literate, I think, in having conversations about it. And I think it's building on that momentum to actually ensure that we're looking at long-term change uh, and longevity. I think a lot of the time, well-being initiatives and programs are extremely well-meaning. Um, might be really helpful in the sh- in the in the short term, but um, are they viable long term? Are they having an impact? Mm. And are you looking at, at that impact um, over a, a longer period of time? So, I think just kind of actually evaluating what what's been done, what's useful, um, what will be helpful going forward, and I think. Um, there's an academic called um, Dr. Helen Street, who I, I just really like her stuff. I feel like it's really uh, resonates with me. And her whole idea is this idea of contextual well-being and actually moving away from in, uh, well-being and being an individual pursuit to actually looking at the wider context, because um, ultimately they're, they're the things that impact on us as individuals. And there was a there's a quote I heard the other day, which was funny. It was like saying, if you put like a cucumber in a jar of vinegar, like how can you not expect it to get pickled? Yeah. And so <laughs> I like that. So so I think like looking like long-term stuff, but also looking at the the culture, like is it conducive to well-being? Like you can do all the programs in the world, but if you've got a culture that in some ways doesn't value it or pushes, I don't know, like yeah, you have to be available at times for staff members or whatever it is. It kind of, regardless of all the great things you do, it kind of feels like futile and it's not going to go anywhere. Mm. Um, so I think really kind of sitting down, pausing, looking at the culture of the school that you're in, what are the messages that you're giving off? You know, Helen Street talks about if you walk into the reception at a school, like you already get an idea of what you think is valued within the school. So if there's trophies and there's names of high achievement, you're already kind of picking up, all right, be important here. I have to do well. Mm. I have to be the best. I have to be good at something. And, you know, that, that might well be true. You know, I, I work in uh, college um, guidance counselling and I think, oh, if a school is promoting 
um, where it gets high level admissions, like what is it telling the students that don't get that? And how does yeah. that impact on how they feel about themselves? So I think culture in a school is is uh, important, I think, in a, a looking at the longer term picture of what what's here to stay and what should stay. Mm. I like that. I just love the I love the word impact. You know, what impact are the things we're putting in place having uh, in a long term? And like, what do you define long term? Like, how long should a school or teacher try and approach try something before they start to really step back and measure the impact. Because I think, you know, part of, if I understand what you're saying is like, when we talk about well-being and wellness, it's, it's, it doesn't happen overnight, you know, building culture in your classroom or building culture in a school that is focused on well-being. It's not like you can make one switch and the next week be like, Oh, look, we fixed the culture of the school. Yay. Everybody's happy again. Um, so like, what, what do you see as like, like how, how far out should you be trying something before you actually maybe step back, reflect on what impact is that having? Is it having the impact you were hoping it would have? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. And I probably um, haven't got uh, the, the best answer, but in, in my mind, like, I think it's like one of those things of, yeah, you're, you're right. You want to invest in it for long enough to see actually if it makes a, ch- a change, but you don't want to continue investing in it. Right. If it's, doesn't you know actually have that that impact that you that you mentioned um I, I was listening to a podcast this morning and they were saying for like culture changes to take place in any organization you're looking actually at three years for there to be a real o- overhaul of, of change um so I think three terms is yeah, three years in some respects seems like oh that seems like a reasonable idea but with uh milestones in between like mm. whether it's half term or years to really evaluate and tweak um ideas to make sure that you're on the right track I think it's kind of like being committed but holding ideas loosely enough Ooh, to, like to let them go at, 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 at kind of intervals to make sure that you're on the right track yeah. um so yeah I guess in my mind three years sounds like a good a good kind of um longer term plan but <laughs> with with kind of areas to to change in between yeah, I love that. With you starting your own publication uh, and the podcast, you have a podcast as well, uh, which is great. Um, what are some things that that you have learned about uh, creating the magazine, uh, starting to produce the, the podcast? What are some digital literacies that have gone with that? Or what have been some of the learning uh, from the production side that you've had as you started to kind of like ramp this up and then kind of start to explore um taking it making it bigger uh yeah it's a great question and I wrote down loads of things and I when I thought about this question I thought actually I feel like my biggest learnings about the magazine and the podcast have been very personal Mm. Uh, it's kind of been a real personal journey for me um I I think the the first thing that comes to mind that like something I've, I've learned is like the fact that you can do it uh and I know that sounds really really cheesy but um I got no business, you know, working on a magazine. I've got no business doing a podcast, but I was like, ah, do you know what? Let's try it. Let's see how it works. And kind of following your intuition and what you think will work. Um, And I kind of felt like coming into it, I don't feel like I had, I still don't think I have good technical skills, but I think there's kind of a freedom for me and and not having that. It's kind Mm. of, okay, what's the the easiest way that I can make this work for me? What's something that I feel is manageable? Um, and what do I think is like the best route for, forward? So I guess, yeah, my my thing is like, you can do it regardless of 
where you're at, what you're doing, what your skill level is. Um, you just kind of start small and, and build from there and, and see what works for you. Um, uh, yeah, keeping it keeping it simple. Um, so I use Canva to put the magazine together because oh, wow, it was okay. something I was I was familiar with. Oh, and great. you know, I took a template and then I just uh, continued to tweak the tw- template, template to make yeah. it to look different and then be something that you know issue on issue that I can continue to make like I don't have the design skills so I'm like okay but I can use this and tweak it enough every issue that it looks different oh, cool. and Canva is something I'm like familiar with so I love um, Canva such a great program so so good um yeah I'd say just use what you know and keep it keep it simple um and I think like another thing that I've been reflecting on is like whenever you're engaging in these projects, so whether it's a podcast, a magazine, a newsletter, video content, whatever it is, I guess is like, what's the end goal of it? What do you want mm. to achieve by the end? What is it leading to next? Um, because it can feel like a huge amount of investment, but if you can't look up and see actually where you want to go with it, it's like uh, you're not kind of seeing the, the returns longer term that you kind of might be able to. Sure. Um, so, you know, I, I think I try to engage in podcasts, in the magazine, in writing blogs, actually to kind of all help build each other, to build connections, to have articles coming in, to have good conversations in the podcasts. So I felt that they very much built upon each other, and that's why I've seen a place for all of them. Mm, that's great. Um, and um, I think what's nice as well is having those different mediums. For me, the podcast is a way to have like a more in-depth conversation to kind of follow up with things, to also to speak with maybe different contributors that you know may not be interested in writing but may have like really cool ideas or things that you want to share in that form or vice versa people that hate talking hate podcasts right (laughs) written content maybe is the way way forward for them so um yeah I guess those have been my learnings but kind of like on a on a personal level um my technical skills uh, technical skills are, are still pretty pretty poor Yeah. And the crazy thing is, is like people, I I think, I feel like people a lot of times think you have to have all this technical know-how to start a podcast or start a publication for your school or your community or whatever it be. And you really don't, (laughs) you know, if you can write, you can write in anything, you can write in a word, you can write in Google doc, copy and paste it into something like Canva, uh, which is free it's online. Like it's really simple to do. You can actually invite others to come in there and contribute to it. If you want, like there's, you know, it's the technical part really, I mean, is there a little technical part? Yeah, there is a little bit, but you can learn it. And like you said, I think the power of it is, is you just keep tweaking, right? The first one, the second one's going to be better than the first one. The third one's better than the second one. And then all of a sudden you publish your fifth one and you go look back at your first one. You're like, oh my gosh, that was horrible. But it's because you've done this learning on the technical side of things around the content that you're, that you're trying to share. And so if you're trying to start some of these projects, like if you have an idea for a podcast, whether it be for your school, your, you know, your community, give it a go, like hit the record button somewhere. Like it doesn't like we, we record over zoom. Like if you know how zoom works, hit the record button. You've got an audio file. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's a good start. It's an easy, it's an easy way to do it. So what's next for the magazine and podcast and the entire site? Are you expanding? Are you seeing your readership grow? Are you seeing more people kind of, uh, coming, uh, looking for, for resources around wellbeing and wellness? Yeah, I think, um, so we've now we've, we're partnered with, um, school management plus. So 
um, our home for the kind of newer magazines are now switched over to there, but we'll kind of carry on writing on the blog and then um, hosting the, the the magazines there. Um, I think for me going forward, there was like three things I think have come to mind in terms of the magazine and the podcast. Um, for, the, for the magazine, I'm really keen to have more student voice, more student influence um, in the magazine. And, and one of that piece is kind of, I'd love to get more articles coming in. We've got a really great article coming in the issue um, that's coming out in March and one lined up for, for June, which are like phenomenal, really, really good articles. And I think that is a really important learning to see it from those different perspectives, because I feel like sometimes we're talking about well-being of students and we don't evolve them in the conversation. We're just kind of thinking about what we think yeah, is best for them. Um, so I think having that in also uh, what's uh, I, I'm looking to do is have more student artwork in in the magazine. I think just having it uh, have that kind of fresh influence, like there's so many tired um, students that are working on their artwork. Hopefully it has that mutual thing of like um, offering students the opportunity to maybe build portfolios or right. connect with other students that are kind of on that same journey. So having more student influence and voice is a big thing for the magazine going forward. Um, for the definitely want to continue with the podcast and, and line up a second series. I'm just trying to like, learn from the first one see what I want to tweak for the, the second I feel super lucky and um, had some awesome awesome guests in the first series so um definitely want to kind of go back to that because that was uh that that was that was great um I found podcasting quite hard uh, yeah it's it's uh it's quite hard to be on the spot and think of questions and, and adapt <laughs> so I have a huge huge amount of respect for you Jeff um <laughs> I'm the opposite. I'm like, I can't believe you write a magazine like that. I just to sit down and focus for a long period of time. Like I can talk all day, but man, to sit down and write that uh, hats off to you. Oh, <laughs> uh, no, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Different strengths um, for different people, right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, and the third thing actually I've, we've been thinking about a, a lot recently um, was kind of using the magazine, hopefully to to build in some mini research projects um, as part of it. So a little while back, um, whilst I kind of started the magazine, because of my role in, in university guidance counselling, um, I became really interested in like vocational courses in international schools. Mm. And so I decided to put a survey out and uh, with college counsellors, with university admissions rep to see how they would view vocational courses uh, and this type of thing. And then produced a report, you know, like not like anything too crazy, but what I felt like I didn't understand, I wanted to create a report to help uh, fill that gap. So maybe if there's other people coming to that question that there's something there. Um, and so I think the magazine is a really great like community to kind of sh to, to figure out maybe what pieces of research or understanding or learning that we could get from the community that are coming to read the magazine um, and including kind of mini reports that might help um, further knowledge and understanding and, and those kind of things um, through the magazine as well. I love that. And I think that leads on to the, you know, uh, just the next question, like if listeners want are interested in submitting work. What's the best way to contact you? Or I love the idea of student voices. I know that a lot of the schools that listen to this podcast have, you know, all kinds of what now well-being clubs, or you might have a gay straight alliance club or an LGBTQ plus club that is around well-being and inclusion. You might have some 
juniors and seniors who are looking to be actually like published authors, which you could put on a resume as you're going off. I mean, great ways that you can get student voices in here. If you're a teacher and you have students who are focused on well-being, like I'm just thinking already, like as soon as we get done, my goddaughter is all about right now, well-being for high school kids. She's a senior Mm -hmm. this year. I'm like, I want to send her the link being like, look, you can go like, write, write what you're doing at your school, right? How you're trying to get students involved. What is working with students at your school? I think that'd be huge. You know, it'd be a great way to get your voice out there. And at the end of it, you can say, I I wrote this, you know, it's a great resume builder for, for high school kids and, and helps all of us learn their voice and perspective um, as well. So for listeners who are interested in submitting work themselves or have students who they're like, oh my gosh, this is perfect for that kid. What's the best way for them to, to maybe contact you to get some work submitted or, or start a conversation? Yeah, for sure. And no, I appreciate that, um, Jeff. And it'd be awesome to connect with you. That that sounds awesome what your, your goddaughter is doing. Um, I guess like email is probably the, the best way. Um, it's sadie.wiseeducation at gmail.com. Um, or I'm also on Twitter. So it's at underscore wise education. Um, both, both ways, um, just reach out. Um, you know, even if you've got an idea, you're not quite sure you want to go with it, it's be awesome to have the, uh, discussions about how, how it could work. That's, that's awesome. And, and lastly, and I'll let you go here because I know it's early in the morning in Thailand and uh, as we're wrapping up the day here in Seattle, but uh, any advice for school leaders who are shifting their practices to be more aware and mindful of the need of well-being in schools? Yeah, for sure. I um, I, I wrote some notes here and I, I think, um, you know, the main thing I thought was like research, research, research. Mm. Uh, it's really like, you know, we were saying about the idea of longer form writing, you know, the idea of taking a step back and seeing what's out there, seeing what works, you know, the the shiniest thing isn't always the best thing, you mm. know, and um, it's, I would say, taking a step back, reading what works being done, um, connecting with other schools that are doing like great work, seeing how they're implementing in that in their context. Um, and I guess just because this idea, I think like well-being is like both, and art and a science so I think you can have the, the tools but actually implementing it in the right way in your school um is going to be very specific to you so yeah um I mean I, I'm not trying to like overly plug the magazine but I do feel like the we've been very very fortunate the contributors we've had have been phenomenal been really really good and I think it's a great place to um you know, whether you're further along on that journey, maybe you're doing work at your schools, but you're kind of looking at what other schools are doing, or whether you're just kind of trying to get an understanding of the things that are already out there, stuff to be aware of. I think that there's great articles in the magazine that will help you on that journey and perhaps help springboard you to, to further things, to, to connect with people or for further pieces of um, literature to, to look at in future. Awesome. I love it. And I couldn't agree more. And I think one of the things just as you were talking there, I'm like, it, it, you know, we talk a lot about with students having a growth mindset. And I think sometimes, you know, us as educators and school leaders, we can sometimes get into a mindset where we don't have that same growth mindset. Like, as you were talking, I'm just thinking of like, I've been in sessions with teachers where we're talking about something and the first response is, well, that will never work in my school rather than being like, okay, this is how one school did it. How can I tweak it to work in my school? Or how can I tweak it so it works in my classroom? 
And that's just, a, it's a different mindset rather than just being like, well, that'll never work. Well, you don't know, you haven't tried it yet, but how can you tweak it? You know? Yeah. The way that it's written or the way that this school implemented it, they might've had seven, you know, counselors to help support. And you're like, we only got two counselors. Okay. But how do you tweak what they're doing to maybe make some of these changes in your school? And it's always that, that mindset, I think, rather than just being like, oh my gosh, that school's so far ahead. We're so far behind. Why should we even get started? You know, it's, it's a mindset shift that we've all got to go through uh, on this yeah. journey as well. So I think uh, for sure. And I think it's almost like getting, being, being curious about what could work, um, but also having like a mindset where like you're seeing the work as almost like an experiment of like, you're not personally responsible, involved or whatever for it working, but like, just see if you're wrong or see if it's right. You know, yeah. <laughs> I think, uh, I like I think that. that's, that's really helpful. You know, how many times we're wrong about so many things and um, use that as like something that's, that can be impactful and, and powerful for sure. I like that. I love that. Well, thank you for spending some time with us today. I really appreciate it. Uh, we will have all of the ways that you can contact uh, Dr. Sadie at the, uh, in the show notes again on Twitter. Uh, there's the whyeducationblog.com. Uh, we'll make sure your email address is in there and, and any other links that you want people to have will be in the show notes. So thanks for spending some time with us early morning, Chiang Mai, which I miss being in Thailand, especially when it's cold here in Seattle, but uh, <laughs> thanks for spending some time with us. Awesome. Thanks so much, Jeff. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Shifting Our Schools. If you found this episode helpful or inspiring, please make sure to subscribe and leave the team a five-star rating. If you want to learn more about the Shifting Schools team or download our free resources, head over to shiftingschools.com to see what's on offer now. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next week for another episode to keep rethinking the shifts our schools need.